Welcome to more about officership, an open and honest discussion about officership in Australia. As we move towards One Australia Territory, host Captain Matt Reeves is joined by officers from across the country to discuss the challenges and rewards of being an officer today. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Candidates Podcast. Thanks to those that have uh, hit us up on the Facebook page or sent us emails or even just in conversations uh, following up on uh, questions that you've got. If you've got more questions, send them through. If you've got topics you'd like us to cover, send them through. If there's people that you think that we should uh, speak to uh, and get in on the podcast, then let us know. We'd love for that to happen. The whole point of the podcast is to help people who are exploring ministry uh, in the Salvation Army context. So we drag in a whole bunch of officers and uh, people that have, have lived this out uh, through their calling. And um, today I'm really excited that we've got Major Gary Grant uh, in the studio to join us. And uh, welcome to you, Gary. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's good. Now tell me, you, you're a Perth boy. I am. So before we go any further, West Coast or Frio? Um, sadly, West Coast. Okay, well, that's the end of this podcast. Thanks for joining us. You've got any more questions? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, we've all got our crosses to bear, so that's okay. Someone's got to go for them. Yep. Well done. Now, (laughs) you, so you're born in Perth? Uh, Born in Bustleton, Bustleton? in Western Australia, yeah. Officer parents. Okay. Uh, Long time ago, obviously. Tell tell us your story. Okay. Um, Well, my story's uh, interesting, I guess. I was born as an officer's kid. And uh, my mum and dad ceased to be officers when I was very young because of uh, illness in the family. And uh, so I was, you know, to sort of give you the, the abridged version, I was raised in Perth Fortress um, from uh, my early age, from as young as I can remember, and uh, grew up doing all the army things, you know, um, what a lot of salvos do, just go through the motions. Yep. Until one day God got hold of me and um, it was a youth council's event actually. Okay. Do you want to hear all this? Yeah, yeah, okay. go for it, go for it. So it was a youth council's event and uh, Eva Burrows was the TC at the time and um, I heard God call my name and uh, knew that I was being called into ministry. Do you remember what was going on around that? Like if you go back to that day. Well, it was a very boring youth council's when I think back, you know, <laughs> just the, um, it's probably because of my, my generation and my era. So some of the people who might listen to this may be offended by that, but, uh, you know, it's not like it is now. It's very traditional kind of youth councils, you know, but you know, what, what am I saying? I saw, well, Eva Burroughs was the TC, so she'd put the call out. I remember s- sitting in the, I don't even know if I was married. I must've been married at the time. And I went forward to the uh, uh, holiness table and made a commitment to become an officer. The only problem back then was that Jules didn't feel the same way I did. So um, that created a whole spin. And um, I think from that point on, the the journey began where I was just, I had this call on on my life, knew that God had called me into ministry, but discovered that officership was going to be difficult because Julie hadn't felt that same call. And back then it was not like it is now. Mm. So um, that put me on a journey of looking after, looking, seeking out God's will for my life and what I would do. And then I eventually became the youth pastor at Perth Fortress, um, where I sat in that role for about eight years, um, waiting and praying for Julie to be called. Um, and then one day she was called and that's her story. So it's another story completely. Yeah. But, um, she came to me one day and said, I'm ready to go. And she'd made some bargainings. And you're like, go where? 
Yeah, you go where? Well, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot what, what it was. What was it like being the youth pastor in Perth Fortress? Uh, it was pretty good back in those days. And mm. uh, we had some pretty effective ministry back then. We we felt it was effective. There's a few people who um, I think we've had some influence in their lives over, well, it's a long time now. So we've been officers for 22 years. Yep. And that was, you know, eight years of youth ministry, youth ministry before that. So it's been, what, 30, 30 something years ago. So, um, those people have moved on into leadership roles now, which is good. So, I mean, it was a large youth group back then. It was effective. It was a discipling model. Um, yeah. So I, I guess why I'm saying all that is because for the eight years I waited for Jules, that's what I did. And as, but as soon as she said she's ready to go, we were, we were going. That was all there was to it. Cause we were Driving across the nullable. Well, flying, yeah. Oh, more romantic if you drove over, but that's okay. You, Do you think that's romantic? I don't know. <laughs> Never sure. done it, obviously. Well, you wouldn't want to. <laughs> so you 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 did the eight years of waiting, really, and not. I'm assuming you weren't the whole time just thinking every day. Oh, I'm still no. waiting. I'm still waiting. But you you got involved in the youth ministry. Was yeah. there a temptation to stay in youth ministry forever? Uh, no, huh? um, I think I'd run my race. I knew my race was up. Mm. Um, I wasn't sure what was after youth ministry at that point. Um, well, I think that's a really interesting thing because I talked to a number of youth pastors who are probably in that same yeah. window as you. So this is a good experience for, for them okay. to be listening, but for us to maybe just to dig in a little bit, what does it mean, you know, how do you transition from a paid employment as a youth pastor into potentially becoming a, an yeah. officer in full-time ministry? I, I'm not going to hide anything. It was, it was difficult. It was frustrating at times because we had uh, left – when, when we knew we were going to college and we had been accepted as candidates, we were asked to go and look after a core NWA for, as candidate helpers for a number of months before we went into college. And um, so we did that. That was a good experience for us because it kind of took us away from this big, large Perth Fortress core mm. and into a, a smaller core NWA, which, you know, was way different to what, what it was as staff on Perth Fortress. But it was good for us because it sort of opened our horizons. The frustration of it was that when we actually did get to college, we'd had this experience already. And so then going back to the drawing board and starting again was difficult. Um, but it seems so long ago, and it was a long time ago, <laughs> um, that it's neither here nor there. You know, the transitioning though, um, I would have to say that when the in the call of my life that was to be an officer in ministry, um, I couldn't do anything about that until Julie had had a call. So it wasn't like a frustrating time, but it was, I knew it wasn't, I wasn't called to be in youth ministry forever. I was, I was on this journey of ministry. And by the way, I would say that the call was that strong that I had to find it, you know, I had to seek it out. Yeah. So I was applying for Bible colleges to be cleaners there and all sorts of things prior to the youth ministry, because I knew there was a call on my life to be involved in ministry. And I was just trying to find it. What was the, the time lapse between, you know, that recognising you'd be, you wanted to become a Salvation Army officer and starting at Perth Fortress, or were you already at Perth Fortress oh, well, working yeah. in that role then? Well, I was raised, as I said, I was raised in Fortress, so, yeah. um, and, you know, all the influences of my life were in there. So, all the, you know, some of the saints of Perth Fortress who are still going, you know, it influenced my life for a long time. And, um, I mean, I think it came to a crunch. I can't remember the timing too well, but it came to a crunch because we had been approached by a Baptist church in Perth to be youth pastors there. So then it was a, came, a case of, am I going to become a Baptist youth pastor or am I going to become a Salvation Army youth pastor? Mm -hmm. And um, that that actually kind of put Fortress 
on a little bit of a, well, they had to make a decision about that. And, you know, in fairness to them, you know, Frank Daniels was the CEO at the time and he gave us a crack, you know, and it was good. Um, and so, you know, you think about that process, you know, there was a call on my life. I was looking for it. And I suppose I felt back then that if I didn't get the opportunity of ministry in the army, I probably would have left and gone to the BAPOs. Mm. But, um, I suspect there might've been this uh, gap in my spirit because I knew it was officership I was actually called to. So unfinished business yeah. or unstarted business? Well, really, yeah. I, and I, I don't know how it would have been if Jules had never owned up to the calling, but she did. Yeah. yeah and the reason why she did and, it, and was hesitant was because her parents are officers and uh, she'd made this decision. I, I shouldn't be talking about her. She's going to kill me. That's all right. But at, she's going to, she would say, it's the truth, it's not a lie. She'd say, I, I don't want to be an officer because of all you know, what the stuff that my parents were going through and stuff like that. But, you know, they're good people and they've been faithful for a long time. And as far as Jules is concerned, she's she's a great girl and we both feel very strongly about our calling. And, um, yeah. So you're, your current appointment is in Eastern Victoria Division, in the Mission Resource Secretary? So Yep, is something that like that. Yeah, something Divisional like. Mission Resource Secretary, soon not to be. Soon not to be, soon as, not to be. as the three Victorian divisions uh, become one, uh, yeah. starting that process in January 2018. So that's a lot of change. But you've also had core experience. You've, you planted yeah, we do. Uh, core. Yep. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about the appointments you've had along the way? Yeah, we haven't had as many as some officers have had. So as I said, we've been officers 22 years. Our first appointment was uh, Carlton, Tasmania, and um, that was straight out of college. Carlton in Tassie is on the Tasman Peninsula. It's about, I don't know, 40 k's out of Hobart. Um, back then it was a, we were second generation planters. So the, the core had been freshly planted and we were asked to take on, you know, follow on from the planter. Um, we'd been officers four months when we went through the Port Arthur massacre. And that was sort of, it was like when we really found out what ministry was about. It was hard, um, but such a privilege to be involved in probably one of the most crucial events that our country's faced. And we were chaplains on duty overnight. Well, I was chaplain on duty overnight. Um, and we sort of came of age in that week. Um, so that was four months into our officership. Um, we had a lot of ups and downs in ministry in Carlton. So when we eventually left there were five years later, we had, um, the, a sort of bittersweet, you know, it was kind of good to leave that, but also hard to leave that because so many things had happened in that five years. And then we went from there to plant Craigieburn and we were there 12 years, which is a fair amount of time. Um, and that was probably the highlight of our ministry. In a lot of ways, it was, you know, being a part of a birth of a church is pretty exciting. Um, a lot of leadership development stuff going on there. Um, get a building up and then we were moved from there to Ringwood where we were for three years. And then down to Bayside just for a year while we just sorted out some stuff personally as well as yeah. some stuff for the army and then into this role that we're in now. So we haven't had lots of appointments. No. Really. Officership can be... Uh, made up of lots of, you know, possibilities in terms of appointments. And I'd imagine that youth ministry was a, a strong part in the beginning. Then you went to college. And then in those, just, if we go back to that Carlton experience, Port Arthur, I mean, obviously nothing prepares you. No, nothing can. For that. Yeah. And, and we thought about that a lot, you know, 
we go, um, excuse me, we thought about, well, even if college had done something about crisis or trauma, nothing can prepare you for that when you are actually faced with that. And uh, I remember very clearly um, thinking, well, what, what now? You know, so you, we'd seen all this tragedy. We'd dealt with um, policemen, big burly experienced policemen saying, please tell me these people are in heaven tonight. And knowing that you really couldn't say that because you, I didn't know that. You know, I, couldn't, I didn't feel like I could say, yeah, God's got them in heaven. I, I didn't feel like I could say that. But I guess what I'd say about the experience was that we actually grew up in ministry through that. Now, mm. I, I'm not going to sort of bore you with all the details, but a lot of things happened in the sort of supernatural realm for us in that time that made me as, I can't speak with Jules too much, but made me sort of grow up, sort of found out what life was about and death was about, you know. Um, it was a horrendous time. And in fairness to everyone that was involved in that, the army were incredible. You know, we were offered every support we could. And we had debriefing, we had counselling, we were given time off, we were even offered an, an appointment change if we felt we needed it. So they were very, very uh, supportive. In fact, the commissioner sat in our lounge room and just said, you know, uh, it was amazing how he just spoke to us. And, and I would say that that was, gave us a sense of confidence to be able to move forward. We didn't want to bail on that community. In fact, people started, you know, Port Arthur to Carlton is probably... I don't know, 60 or 70 Ks, and people will, after that event were travelling from that area to our core to, to become members of our church because that's the kind of ministry that evolved out of that. So out of a, a shocking tragedy, good stuff happens. Yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah, mm. and sadly, but that's... And it, it's kind of, without being too sort of cliche about it, it's in a very dark time. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. That you, you got to be um, sort of a beacon... Yeah. In amongst all that, and particularly if people are seeking you out um, for those conversations, and I, and I, I don't, I'm not asking you to tell us this, but I'm assuming there was lots of conversations post that that um, people probably had, and maybe even continue to have because of the impact that you had on their lives. Yeah, and yeah. um, there's there's conversations that, and th and events that happened in the life of ministry that probably would never have happened had we not been exposed to that event. Having said that, you would never want that event to happen again. No, no. And you wouldn't want anything to happen like that again. But, um, you know, sort of four months in, you, you sit there going, well, it wouldn't have mattered what college had taught us. They could never never prepare us for that. And, and there are events in your ministry, and you know, and you know this, there's events that happen in your ministry that nothing can prepare you for. Um, so you just do the groundwork that the college can give you, and then you, you get involved in the real learning, which is on the ground learning as you go, and you're ever learning, forever learning. <laughs> you never stop. Well, you, that, is in, that is very true. Yeah. That is very true. What do you think uh, um, when you you think about your experiences in core life? And, oh, and a lot of people go to college and think, I'm just going to be a core officer and yeah. I'm going to preach the word and it's going to yeah. be great. And Now, there's obviously lots of highs and lows and all that, but yeah. you, you're now not in a core appointment. Um, you obviously still use all that experience to um, probably coach others and advocate for others. Like it, it's just another change in ministry. Like how do you find that? And and second, I guess the second part of that question is, do you, do you have a yearning for the other? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Um, I love where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. So part of me is a little frustrated, if I can say it, because, you know, just get in the job and then the job will cease. So next year will look different and that's okay. Um, 
I don't yearn back for it at the moment um, because I think I think if I was to be honest, I think the thing that I miss the most is Craigie Burn because it was really cutting edge, you know, ministry where people were being saved and lives were being radically changed. Um, the the buzz of helping others and discipling others into leadership was huge, and and in and in in that story. Out of our leadership team, I think out of the leadership team, Craigie Burn, there's one, two, three, there's about five or six who are officers now out of that team, which is actually quite exciting because that's the journey. The journey is, the journey's not like becoming an officer, the journey's discipleship, full stop. You know, officership's part of the vehicle, it's part of the tool, but um, getting people into relationship with Jesus, um, that's a growing relationship and then helping them to do the same with others is what the key is in my my book. Yeah, that's yeah, good. How do you describe officership to people? Like, because it's so wide and varied. How, how do you think, um, like, people listening to this who are, you know, probably in the same, and many people would be in the same circumstance you're in, they're in other employment, yeah. whether it's ministry or not, and they think, oh, yeah, I'd love to sort of do that. But it's it's so, it's not just one lane. Like, no, it's, I, think, I think for me, um, Matt, it's really, it is the calling. It's, it's... I, I get a little bothered by it a bit, you know, because I think you don't just become an officer because you think it's a good idea. Mm. Um, you become an officer because God's called you to be an officer. And then there's a whole pile of ramifications that go with that. You know, we were kind of talking about this before that, um, you know, he never said it was going to be easy. You know, and if I was to say Port Arthur was easy, no, 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 it wasn't. It was really tough. Mess with my head hugely. But this is what God called me to. And so I'm, I'm a bit of a believer that, no, I'm not a bit of a believer. I'm a lot of a believer that what God calls you to, he'll equip you for. And so therefore, when we enter into the ministry, we understand that firstly, it's primary about getting people connected with him and then, and being available to be used by him for that purpose. So if I was to, to answer the question, what or how do I describe officership? Firstly, it's about calling. And secondly, it's about the discipleship process. So, you know, so can you disciple outside of officership? Absolutely. Yes, you can. Um, but I wouldn't recommend someone thinking that officership's a good idea and uh, let's go do that. You know, like mine might go and be a mechanic or something. Yeah. No, it's a calling. Was there anything that you did as you transitioned from employment in it's still ministry, but employment ministry into uh, training that you would recommend to people? Um, yeah, I would say I probably have to go back before I became a youth pastor, though. Yeah. Because I was training to be a customs agent, and I was six months away from having my degree. And when I look back over that, you know, like I, when God called me, I just wanted to drop everything. And, and in hindsight, that's well, that's what I did. I dropped everything and just went went for it in ministry. I think these days it's a different world, uh, a little bit. Um, you're, you're asking the question was about transitioning. Mm. I think you need to be certain of the call. And if you're certain of the call, um, for me, you then, you then process forwards trying to work out what that means. Now, as an, as a candidate or as a, the potential of becoming an officer, um, I'd be hanging around people, you know, like, to find out what it's all about, you know, you know, I wouldn't be just sort of sitting there going, well, this looks like a good career path that I might try for a, a couple of years or something. Uh, for me, it's calling. It's I know it's a different world. I, I get it and I'm old and all that sort of stuff. But <laughs> for me, it was a non-ending call. Yeah. yeah. And, and the only way I'd ever leave officership, 
officership is if God told me to. And I haven't heard him say that. Yeah. And and you think back to that meeting with Eva Burrows, then Commissioner Eva Burrows, and your assessment was that it wasn't the most, uh, you know, interactive, hyped up kind of (laughs) thing. (laughs) Look, they gave us a band and a a song to the youth councils. Yeah, but they had drums. Um, I don't know if they did. (laughs) I'm pretty old, you know. But... Like people get called in different ways, yeah. you know, and it's, you know, you're in, in having to be in that context and for other, you know, but I guess what I'm, I want to ask you is that in your experience, that was your experience, but you've also got a lot of experience with people who in, in like say Craigieburn and other call that you've been involved in, how do you help people discern the call? Okay. So that's, that's a really good question. Um, I think in our leadership development stuff and our discipleship stuff, there was certainly a journey where people would come to us and say, look, I think this is what God is calling me to. Now, we, you know, in as monks, there might be five or six who are as officers. There was a few others who we journeyed with who are not, who thought they might be officers. Now, for whatever reason that is, um, I think sometimes people might aspire to be like others. And I, I've got this thing going in my head at the moment. I might blog about it at some point, but this thing going in my head about how my story um, can be affected by someone else's story. Um, but at the end of the day, my story should be affected by what God is doing in my life for me. So, I, you know, do I become an officer because I want to be like you? No, I become an officer because God called me to be an officer. And so in my, in my book, it's like, well, if I'm trying to help someone else to discern what that is, then I would just, the discipleship process, the praying process, the, the seeking out until the door closes or opens, whatever. And I know not everybody's theology goes with that and that's okay. It doesn't have to. Yeah. But I, I, I sort of believe that God closes doors and opens doors as his will determines it. I think the other part of it is that sometimes we come up with this good idea that may not be a God idea and that's not the cliche. It's just just how it is. You know, um, some people are not going to be really become officers. That's all there is to it. Just yeah. Some are saying someone's not going to become a youth pastor. Um, but then there are those that are going to be doing those roles and going to do them very, very well. Yeah. I mean, obviously I have a bias because I'm a candidate secretary. Yeah. So, but I... I'm actually encouraging people to discern the call. Yeah. And if if it's a no, just embrace it. Yeah. If it's a yes, embrace it. But Absolutely. actually don't sit in the, well, I don't really know. Well, what's it, gonna, sure. what's it going to prove if someone goes, and maybe we could get yourself in hot water here, but what's it, what's it going to prove if someone says, I'm going to go and do this, even though I'm not 100% convinced? So at some point they're going to... Well, there are challenges around that for yeah. sure. And I don't think, I mean, it's probably hard in the long term, Yeah, you know, in terms of longevity. Oh, there's a lot of debate around calling now, which yeah. I'm sure you're oh, yeah. across, which, you know, and I guess people have different views on that. Some would argue they're not called. They're just really committed. Others would say, I'm not called, but I understand the teachings of Jesus and I want to live that out. Um, I mean, it's so, it, it, you take your pick. Yeah. Um, there, there's lots of different expressions of that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to say that any of those are wrong. No. I don't, it's not my place. And I don't know if any of them are wrong. I just mm. know that, um, it's different for, for different people. Yeah. Um, so for us, it's about saying let's, if it's a no, let's go and get that no. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. But actually let's ask yeah. the question. 
Yeah, I I think exploring all that is the the answer. I think for me, um, if you know, and I do believe it's a different sort of scenario. It's a way different environment now to what it was thirty years ago. Mm. But for me, uh, I knew there was the call was there. I was clear, crystal clear. But it wasn't crystal clear for Jules yeah. for eight years. Now she would she would tell you I never pestered her once. In fact, I don't think I even mentioned it to her. It was some other officers that gave her the hard word. Um, but which, you, I, which you'd organised? No, I no. hadn't. I really hadn't. I seriously didn't. I didn't do anything um, because I was quite satisfied in, in the youth ministry. It was it was good. It wasn't bad. Um, but I would have to say that you know, if, in that time, once she said yes, it was go. We weren't hanging around, you know, because I knew that that's what it was. And so maybe maybe time is the test. I don't know. I, all I know is that the Salvation Army, you know, without playing the party line, I'm not trying to do that. The Salvation Army needs leaders. I get that. I know that. And I still believe God's calling them. I still do. I still really believe that. So I guess it's up to us then to how we're listening, uh, maybe, and how we're responding to that. And core works. I mean, not just core work, because I think there's some, we don't want to just focus on core. I think being a Salvation Army officer is more than core work. It's social work. It's... Uh, being involved in youth ministry and kids ministry and all that sort of stuff, seniors ministry. Um, but I, I guess for me, the um, there, there's sort of like a one avenue, there's an avenue in and then it's, it's kind of this world opens up and I think it's through that calling that we then learn what God is calling us out of that calling, if that makes yeah. any sense whatsoever. So, but so, yeah, and I agree with that because, Matt, if you'd told me, you know, back uh, halfway through youth ministry that I was going to plant churches. Yeah. I go, yeah, right. I can't ever see that. I think the spirit always is calling us to something. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, you wouldn't have got a phone call or a letter. I don't know how old you know, but maybe you got a letter and saying you'll be planting this at this time, and you go, oh, no, oh, I'll give it a go. You know that something's been stirring within you. Would you want to hear how that happened? Yeah, I'm interested. Um, Jules and I were in our last year of Carlton. We went off. We went over to Willow Creek to the leadership summit. Oh yes, yeah. We sat in with a bunch of other officers in this summit and uh, first, our first uh, lecture session we did was with Dr. Gilbert Bilzekian, who was Bill mm. Hybels' mentor, yeah. and he starts talking about Acts 2 and what the early church looked like and what, what it would look like if we, what would it look like if we had a church on the planet now like that. And Jules and I sat there and we came out of that session thinking, we, we've got to plant a church that looks like that. And we felt so strong about that. And um, anyway, the week went on and bits and pieces were being said to us and God was active in us. And remember, we had a core. We were coming to the fifth year. We knew we were towards coming to the, possibly towards the end of our first appointment. Um, and so we thought, okay, well, when we get back, maybe we should explore this or ask the question. So we came back to Tassie, jet lagged. And when we arrived back, there's a message waiting for us on our answer machine saying that the personnel secretary was in town, wanted to see us and um, the next day or something. So we, we had the appointment. We go to see the personnel sec and that officer says to us, uh, next year you're moving. Um, would you, we want you to go and do this. And we then said, what about this planting opportunity? And then they said to us, you, you're willing to do that? And we said, we're more than willing. And so then all of a sudden, bang, it was done. And Craigie Byrne was it. And so we sort of had heard God at Chicago 
And then before we knew it, that's where we we're going. Yeah. So I believe God's in what we do. Yeah. Big time. Absolutely. Yeah. What is one thing about officership that no one ever told you about? Or for those listening and they're exploring it and they're early in that sort of phase, what, what advice would you give them? Well, I, my first advice was come in with your eyes wide open and uh, know what you're getting connected to. Um, I suspect that sometimes when people look at our job, they might go, why would you want to do that? And that's why I say the calling is so critical because, um, you know, what God, as I say, what God uh, puts you in, he's going to equip you for. So I think, I think answering the two questions, you know, you said, well, what did no one tell me? I don't, I think, don't think there's a lot of people telling you anything about what you should expect back those days. Um, and so I suppose, one of the big things for us personally was that we we had a five-year appointment, then we had a 12-year appointment. So the first 17 years of our officership, we had two moves. Um, but since then, we've had three. So that that process messes with you. So you should come in with your eyes open about that, understanding that you give yourself to this process. I think if... Um, I think where people get unstuck sometimes is when, you know, you don't move the goalposts after the game started. You know, if, if that's where they are, this is how you play the game, this is what you do. So I think that would be a key issue if you, you know, and the goalposts are moving at the moment because of Australia 1. So everything's moving, everything's changing, but it's not a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing. It has to happen. It makes sense for it to happen, but it's kind of like no pain, no gain. You've, you've got to go through the pain to get the gain and then the long term it'll be right, but it's a bit unsettling at the minute. So if I was going to say to someone coming in, just make sure you've, you understand what you're joining and what you're doing. Um, at the end of the day, this is about serving the kingdom of God. This is about um, a vehicle called the Salvation Army that God raised to do a work on the earth that well, no matter what it looks like these days, whether it's contemporary worship or traditional worship, whether it's social work or whatever it is, God raised this thing called the army. And so... Um, just, just on that, like yeah. you, you talk about all these sort of works that you see or that are around, in your role in a division, you must see um, the, the kingdom at work, and I do. you know, and in in different ways because it's not just you know the core, yeah. or, you know, meetings and all that sort of stuff. Just tell us, like, I don't, our time's nearly come to an end, but I'm okay. just interested. <laughs> you know, the the army's different. Yeah, it is. You know. Um, I, I don't know if you want me to mention the course name. but You don't have to mention it by name if you don't want to. But Well, I don't want to embarrass anyone. But, you know, we, we do core reviews. We do all that stuff. And that's one of the privileges of this role is helping core to become better at what they're doing. But, you know, we, we went to do a review this week and I came away from that review so encouraged because in that review, one of the statements that the officer had made was uh, we can't you know, if you can't see a beginning or an end of the difference between the social element of our ministry and the core-based ministry, there's no, there's, it's not, there's no line between it. And then there are people being saved from every culture in that community, and that core reflects its community. You know, you're every, you know so many different nationalities in that core. It's inspiring. And I came away from that, that review thinking, you see, this is what I think it's about. It's a, you know, hearing people pray in their native tongue and it doesn't matter, you know? And so for me, I think that's the exciting part of ministry. I go, well, you know, if a core is making that much difference and you can't tell where social work begins or ends and the core ministry begins or ends, and it's kind of a, a fully integrated model that looks fantastic and is doing some good stuff and the core is growing, 
I mean, gosh, isn't that what it's about? So I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot, but okay. we, we're always looking for uh, places for people to be able to see it and experience it. So I don't know whether you're happy to name the core because I think it'd be a huge encouragement to people. Well, yeah, I, um, I'm happy to name it. Um, I, I think the other thing about that is I would have to say that there's lots of core doing lots of good things. I, right? I'm, I'm not saying that this is the only one. Yeah, I just yeah. say, but you know, you've just you've, what you've mentioned oh, well, is like inspiring. It's Dandenong, yeah, and people should go and visit it and check it out because you know, and uh, in fairness to the current officer, she's only been there like six months. Yeah. Um, so it's not just the ministry of this year, it's been ministry of previous years that have led it to this yeah, point. Have lots of faithful people, Absolutely. officers over the journey. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and so, y- you know, what I think, you know, with, without giving too many plugs for, you know, Victorian men's conferences coming up in a couple of weeks, there's 11 guys from Dandenong from all different cultures going to that retreat. Now, that's awesome. You know, would I, would have I expected that at some point that, I would have, and I know I don't have sort of front-on-hand-to-hand ministry with these guys, but, you know, someone's having ministry with Iranian guys who have become saved because of the love of Jesus, you know, and that's, to me, what it's all about. And I would say to those people who might think that this podcast is uninspiring, uh, that the most inspiring thing that you could hear is when Jesus is active in the lives of people who've come from a completely foreign land and found hope in him in this land through the Salvation Army. Now, sounds like it's playing the party line, doesn't it, or I'm doing the big pitch, but I'm not meaning to. God is still working in the Salvation Army, and we need to be open to that and put ourselves in position to be used for that. Yeah, that's good. Great. Well, there you go. Head off to Dandenong and all the other corps in Eastern Vic that are doing great work. Gary, I want to say thank you for your time. I want to thank you for uh, being open and transparent, particularly with, you know, the the highs and lows of some of the, the stuff you've experienced. And just to an encouragement of people to, um, if you listen and you want to jump on to Facebook or send us an email, um, that you can do that. And if there's any follow-up questions or perhaps you'd like to just pursue the calling a bit more, then I would encourage you to contact us um, and we can we can do that as well. So, Gary, thanks very much. I nice. uh, really appreciate who you are and um, the, the ministry you've got and the, and the impact that you're having for the kingdom. So, thanks, man. Thanks, mate. Bless you. Thanks for joining us for more about officership. You can join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash SA Candidates Australia. If you want to explore officership further, please speak to your local core officer or candidate secretary. The Salvation Army needs more leaders. Is God asking for more of you?